you're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. We're excited to be finishing up our two-part series here called AOG. It stands for Armor of God. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, isn't that like little kid stuff? Well, we're going to address that in just a minute. But I'm going to start out the message today upsetting my wife. My wife reminds me all the time, like you got to tie your shoes, especially on church days, especially on Sundays. Your shoes are eye level with everybody. Well, here they are, friends. See how easy it is to take that off right there? Now, how many of you guys have ever been distracted with my laces not being tied. Anyone in the room? There was one. Oh, really? Dave Jacafe? Oh, a couple. Well, my wife's got the upper hand here, I guess. Apparently, I should tie my shoes. But I think about my shoelaces, and I think about that they are always there. They are always available. They're there to keep that shoe on the foot. They're there to, as I'm jogging or running or doing yard work, protect my ankle from rolling one way or the other, right? But I just don't make use of them. And I think that often when it comes to Christians and things like the armor of God, the same is true. They're always available to us, but we often just don't make use of them and they're there to protect us and help us but so often for whatever reason whether we think it's little kid stuff or we think it's beneath us or we're just not aware of it uh, we really need to be taking advantage of the things God's given us to protect ourselves to walk in some victory to see some change to see God do some huge things in our lives and so we're focusing on this here in the series and you know I think we forget we're in a battle We forget that we have an enemy or maybe don't know who that enemy is. And we just forget that we have what it takes to take a stand because of what Jesus has done for us. And sometimes in our lives, there are different things that come under attack. Maybe it's the truth in your life right now. You're struggling to see truth clearly. What's true? What's not true? Maybe it's your rightness with God. You know, we all feel condemned, I think, at times in our heart about things we've done or places we've gone or things we've said. And and we don't feel right with God sometimes. Sometimes we just don't feel ready you know like I don't feel ready today for the battles ahead of me to to do the things God wants me to do and to make the decisions he wants me to make maybe it's your your faith you just feel like it's really small and what do I do with that and how is my faith going to help me or anybody else if it's so small maybe it's you doubting your salvation or wondering if God still wants you because you've made some bad decisions or you're past this that or the other or maybe it's just you feel like defenseless like I would love to change. I'd love to grow. I'd love to be more like Jesus. I'd love to see some victory in my life, but I just don't know what I have available to me to help me with that. And so we're going to talk through that here today. Um, this is so important because Paul's going to remind us that there is a real battle, that we do have an enemy, but that we can take a stand because of what Jesus has done for us. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here in the room or you're watching online, we are just so thrilled that you you chose to join us today. And I hope today you'll see the love of God and his desire for you to have a relationship with him and to see some of the amazing things that a relationship with him offers you. So last week we kicked this series off and uh, today we're going to spend a little bit of time reviewing because Probably a fraction of you guys, you know, maybe a third of you weren't here last Sunday for this, that reason or the other and watching online. And so I want to catch you up. But also the stuff that we looked at last week was so important and foundational to what we're talking about today. We're going to just cram it down a little bit deeper in our hearts today, if that's okay for a few minutes. So Paul was finishing up his letter to the Ephesians. And here's what he says. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Everybody say strong in the Lord. Because that's the key here. We often think battle mode, I got to be strong in me. I just want to remind you today how little control we have, how little power we really have. I mean, I think back to a few years ago of me in the hospital, unable to control that I could even breathe, right? Looking at a doctor and saying, 
teach me to breathe. I don't know how to breathe. Like the baseline for existence is breath in your lungs, right? Like we, we kind of use that as a, a little bit of a phrase once in a while. If you have breath in your lungs here today, then this is true. If you have breath in your lungs here today, then that's true of you. Well, that day I almost didn't have breath in my lungs. And I was asking a doctor, how do I breathe? So if it's me in a battle against my enemy, I'm in trouble if I'm just me. I gotta be strong in the Lord. In fact, another translation says, find your strength in the Lord, just to make sure nobody's confused about where this strength comes from. So if you and I are gonna walk in any victory at all, if we're gonna learn today how to take steps forward and, and really grow in our relationship with Jesus, then it's all gonna start with humility and strength in the Lord. So if you're here today thinking, I got this, I can fight any battle that comes my way, I, I, I'm all about this, it's me, it's me, it's me, just take a step back and say, Lord, I need you. May it be your strength in my life. It says the next part, put on the full armor of God, okay? And this is where some of us are saying, okay, I learned this in VBS, I learned this in nursery school, in Christian preschool, and Sunday school. Come on, really? This is what we're talking about here in this series? Well, let me remind you, this is not kid stuff. This is not just kid stuff. I mean, it's great for kids, but it's not just kid stuff. Because in reality, you and I often are like, ah, oh, man, this is just kiddie stuff, and I know this, but it's like me having shoelaces in my shoes and not tying them, right? Like, are we taking advantage of what's been given to us? And, and are there things here maybe we even misunderstand about the armor of God? We need to have something to protect us. I was talking with a few of my nephews a few weeks ago about um, playing airsoft and paintball and things like that. And we were just talking about, you know, in paintball you wear the helmet or, you know, in airsoft I guess they have a helmet or you can wear some kind of like goggles just to protect your eyes. And my dad's there who's like I think 67 now and he's sitting at the table and he's just laughing at us. He's like, man, back in my day. Oh, here we go, dad. Okay, back in my day story, right? But he goes, back in my day, because he grew up on a farm upstate New York, he's like, we used to go to the barn with BB guns and just shoot at each other, you know? Like, that was, there was no goggles, there was no helmet, you know? It's just what we did, you know? And he started thinking about, like, wow, that was really stupid, you know? Like, he just realized that, how moronic that was. And, you know, you think about the fact that, like, something like goggles or a helmet or, like, you think, oh, that's, that, that's kid stuff. And here's my dad at 67 going, oh, man, we were really stupid to not have had some type of a way to protect ourselves. And I think guys like us, you know, here as, as, as many of us adults, many of us as, as teens, young adults, college students, right? Like people in the room going, you know, I don't know if this is like little like stuff they should be teaching down the nursery or over in the gym wing this morning to the little kids, but you and I need to grab a hold of the things that God has for us. Because if we're honest, I think a lot of us are getting beat pretty good by our enemy right now. And that's not God's heart for us. And so Paul says, put on the armor of God. As I said last week, this isn't literal armor, okay? Paul was sitting in a jail cell. He sees a Roman soldier standing there wearing armor, and he says, oh, this is a great illustration. I could talk about how God's given us things to protect ourselves, just like this soldier has some things to protect himself, and he calls these different pieces accordingly. And so he's just using an illustration here. It goes on, I love this verse, and this verse is so important. I think it's the foundational verse, and I think the takeaway verse for the whole series here. I didn't expect that when we first started kind of researching this and looking into all this, I didn't think this much of this verse at all, but man, God has really just poured it down as I think something that really has to have our attention. It says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This verse tells us a lot. It tells us who our enemy is. Some of you guys are going, oh, come on, I don't believe in the devil. Again, you want to talk about kiddie stuff. That's kid stuff, right? So let me just take you back to World War II for a second, and I want you to think about the Nazi agenda. I want you to think about the horrific things that happen in concentration camps. I want you to think about the fact that broken people can do some messed up stuff, but that's a layer of evil 
that I don't think a person just comes up with no matter how broken they are. I think you can look behind that and see some evil. You can see a devil. You can see an enemy trying to destroy whole people groups, right? And so I look at a situation like that and, and just, you know, as a pastor and things I've walked through in life and, and, you know, walking with people, I've seen some very, very real spiritual battles. Stuff you see in the movies, I've seen in the room, right? And so I'm telling you, this stuff is real. And I'm not telling you that to make you scared. I'm telling you to make you aware so that you can take then what God's given you so that you can walk in some victory and see some change in your life. Listen, you and I are going to struggle in life. We're going to fall at times. We have a loving Savior who picks us up and says, I love you. You're forgiven. That caused some pain, though, to you and those around you. Let's not do that again. Let's stand. But I love you and I'm for you. And so there's this like beautiful fine line of of grace and mercy that Jesus offers, but also at the same time going, now let's stand. Let's walk in some victory, right? Like as your kid's learning to walk, they fall. You don't chastise them. You help them up. Then you go, now let's walk. I think that's what God's saying to us here in this series. Let's walk now, right? And so Paul tells us who our enemy is. He tells us he has some schemes. And you know, he's good at throwing things at us that trip us up, and so he'll throw some gossip our way, and maybe we'll bite at that, but maybe we won't, so he'll throw some greed our way. Consume, consume, get more and more and more, and when you have more, then you'll be satisfied. What a lie that is, right? Or maybe that doesn't work, and so he'll throw some addiction struggles our way. All kinds of things tailor fit to, to what you and I might be easily tripped up by. And often he throws things kind of in pairs. And we're going to see the significance of that in just a few minutes. He, he'll, he'll throw things that kind of work together, a little bit of insecurity and jealousy, a little bit of anger and unforgiveness kind of paired together, right? And so we'll see how we can defend ourselves against this. And as I said last week in Ephesus, there was this high amount of demonic activity. So Paul's addressing it and the people are going, oh, we know exactly what you're talking about. We've experienced it and seen it. And so, yes, Paul, help us learn how to be able to stand against the enemy. And that first part of the verse is so important. Brian, throw that verse back up there so that we can all see the first part. So we often look at the devil's schemes part of the verse, but we miss what I think God is really wanting to highlight as the most important verse in this whole passage for us here in this series. So that we can take our stand. Everybody say, take your stand. So that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. It's not just that he has schemes. But we can stand, not because of us, right? Not because of me. I can't stand because of my performance, but I can stand because of what Jesus has done in my life and his presence in my life. And so we can stand against the devil's schemes. Now, last week, I had you guys close your eyes, and I asked you a question, all right? And I don't want you to close your eyes this week, but last week, I asked you to close your eyes and picture yourself in this battle against the devil. And my question to you was, in that image, as it came up into your mind, were you standing on the high ground or the low ground? We know that people who, you know, soldiers on the high ground usually win. Soldiers on the low ground usually get decimated. High ground, low ground. And I asked you guys to picture yourself. And my guess is most of us pictured ourselves on the low ground. Most of us pictured ourselves, you know, the, the enemy's up here and, and, and we're down there, you know, and, and he's here just throwing all his temptation and throwing all his deception and his lies. And there we are on the ground just getting beat down, beat down, beat down. But we saw last week this powerful truth that because of Jesus, you and I are on the high ground. We stand on the high ground, and it's Satan down there trying to run up that hill at us, right? Trying to come at us. And, and we saw this quote about him wearying himself in this exhaustive attempt to trip you and I up. 
Meanwhile, we stand on the high ground in Jesus. Now, I talked to some people last Sunday and then again this Sunday who said that when I encourage you to close your eyes and visualize this battle, many people said, when I close my eyes, I just see black. <laughs> I don't see anything. I couldn't visualize anything, Doug. I couldn't see it. And so I thought, well, we have some pretty talented artists here in our church. In fact, one of them is one of our service programming directors, Brian Corrado. He's in the back right now running about eight different things in the back room there. And he's one of the guys that goes around the church throughout the day to make sure everything's going smooth, everything's running smoothly, and kids space, nursery here, everybody's got what they need, and it's all going well. And so I said, Brian, you know, when you, when you thought about that battle, like, could you draw me a picture of what you see? And I want to show it to you in just a minute. And it's going to be zoomed out. And it's, you know, it's a big room and small screens, okay? So we're going to post these pictures later because you need to see them up close. They're so powerful. And so it's after the 7 o'clock service tonight, we're going to post them on our social media accounts so that you guys can download them, put them on your phones, your screensavers, just as a great reminder. So I'm going to show you the zoomed out picture first, and then we're going to zoom in on a couple of parts. But here's just the overall picture that Brian drew. And uh, if you zoom in, then you can see there's Jesus standing, right? As I said last week, next to us, nails Nail holes in his hands, risen Savior, right? And there we are. We got a little, I love how Jesus is like huge and Brian drew us so small. I think that's very accurate, right? And there we are, though. We've got our armor on. We're swinging that sword, right? But then I want you to look at the low ground and look at the enemy, you know, turning back as Jesus stands by our side, giving us the victory, giving us the authority and the power to stand. We're going to Make sure you guys have access to those later because I think they're such a powerful visual reminder. So if you couldn't visualize anything when you closed your eyes, or you could like me, but it wasn't anything like that, then I encourage you to hang on to that picture and that image because that's the truth. You stand on the high ground because of what Jesus has done. Last week we looked at three pieces of the armor. We looked at the belt of truth. We said we got to put truth on like a belt because a belt holds everything together. The truth holds everything together. We looked at the breastplate of righteousness because I think in our heart is where we feel condemnation. And so that breastplate that comes over us like this of rightness with God is everything to us. We looked at the shoes that, that bring readiness from the gospel of peace, right? And we saw that it's all about readiness, that we can be ready to stand. We can be ready to take our fight and our stance against the enemy because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we're going to look at the last three pieces here today. In Ephesians 6.16, you can read this with me. Paul says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You see, often I think we feel defenseless in battle. Satan is shooting arrows at us, and we feel defenseless, like we don't know what to do or how to make our stand, like we have no defense. I think back to when we were, I was a kid, I guess I should say, and um, you know, it was kind of the cool thing to do in like the mid-90s, if you got some paper towel rolls, or paper, uh, toilet paper rolls and some eggs, and you went to a friend's house, and you kind of put it all in the trees and the bushes, and you egged their house, and I saw somebody post on social media recently, like, how rich were we back in the day that we could take toilet paper and eggs and go do these things with them, right? Isn't that ironic? But if you went at the right time of night, the house was defenseless. There was no ring camera, right? There was nothing to catch anybody, and so they were defenseless. And I think that's how we feel sometimes in our fight against the enemy. We're just defenseless. He can throw all kinds of temptation and accusation and lies at me, and there's just nothing I can do. But Paul says that we have the shield of faith. Now, the word here in the Greek for uh, arrow is bellows. Everybody say bellows. It means missile, dart, javelin, or arrow. 
And so Satan's not messing around, you know. He's throwing things that kill at you and me. And think about it. As he shoots this flaming arrow, there are two ways it can get us. The arrow can pierce our heart, or if that doesn't work, the flame can get us, right? And as I said earlier, I think often Satan throws things kind of in pairs, you know. Here's some insecurity and jealousy. Here's some, here's some porn and sexual impurity, right? And I think he kind of throws these things so that if one doesn't get us, the other will. If the arrow doesn't get our heart, then the flame will. What, what I love about the shield is that the shield of, Roman, of, of Paul's day, when the Roman soldier would wear it, was able to defend against both. So if two things uh, two ways of attack were thrown. There were two ways of defense as well. Read this with me. First off, Max Turner says this. In battle, this could be locked together with others to form a wall in front and a roof overhead. And so are you picturing that? Like you've seen that in the movies, right? Where the, the army comes together and they all block shields. That's why it's so important to do church together, community together, community groups together, Bible studies together. Because it's easy to pick off a soldier on his own. But sometimes our faith covers each other, doesn't it? Because that's what we're talking about here, a shield of faith. Sometimes your faith covers me. When I was laying in a hospital bed and I couldn't pray for myself, you were praying for me. Your faith covered me. And sometimes my faith covers you. And so it's so important that we do life together. But he goes on, he says, the leather, so there was leather on these shields. There was wood, there was leather in front of the, uh, uh, mounted to the wood. The leather was well soaked with water before battle. And that tended to put out these sizzling incendiary arrows that would flare up and burn purely wooden shields. So if Satan is throwing things, you know, two at a time at us, arrow and flame, then here's a shield that can stop both. The arrow can hit the, the shield, and if it's on fire, the water soaked through the leather would put it out. I love that Paul says that our faith is like that. Now, here's the problem. Some of you are like, I've got really little faith. So if I have really little faith, Doug, does that mean I have a really little shield? Like, am I walking around this week, like, Satan's shooting arrows at me, and I'm just like, I'm like trying to block it. See, what I love is, is that your faith isn't about you, it's about who your faith is in, right? In fact, the Greek term that Paul uses for faith is a genuine devotion on the basis of the reliability of the one trusted. See, I feel like so often we think our faith is, is reliant on us. If only I had more faith, if it was only my faith was bigger, if I was only my faith was stronger, it's about the one trusted. I think about when my kids were little, they're big now, but when they were little, they all wanted to be held. There's only two of us, three kids. We're outnumbered, right? So we're, everybody wanted to be held. And I think about when they were, you know, maybe one or two, and they'd need to kind of be rocked to sleep maybe. And I think about holding them. And usually they, you know, you pick them up and they put their arms around your neck and you hold them as you walk, right? But so often what happens over time is you're just walking, they would fall asleep, and those arms that securely held around your neck would kind of droop down, and their legs are kind of dangling, right? And you're just walking around, securely just holding them. Now, why do they rest so well? Because it's about the reliability of the one trusted. It's about the one caring. Sometimes I think we have our arms around God's neck, so to speak. I am holding on to God. No, he is holding on to you. And that shield of faith, as Satan shoots his arrows, his flaming arrows is, is there, and it's all about the reliability of the one trusted. It's all about leaning into Jesus and letting our, our, our arms and, and legs dangle down so that we can be held by the one 
who can be trusted. And you know, even more than that, God's the one that gives us faith anyway. So if you're like, oh man, my faith is so weak. Well, God gives faith. It's a spiritual gift. It's something that comes as we hear and read the word of God. Listen, it's something that comes when we experience a miracle. Even more importantly, maybe, it's something that comes when we go through struggle. Right? It's about the gym. It's about going there and, and tearing that muscle over and over and over again and it getting built bigger and bigger. And that's why it's so important, Like, just like we keep going to the gym, not like I'm an authority on this, as you can see, but, but don't laugh at that, that's not funny. Uh, but as we go to the gym and we tear that muscle and we tear that muscle and it gets built bigger, that's why we have to keep going to the Lord as our life maybe even feels like it's being torn and torn and torn because as we continue to go to him, that faith is built up. It's made stronger, just like that muscle. And so, again, are you seeing it's all God anyway? Like, even if you, like, don't chastise yourself for having little faith when it's a gift from him. It comes from his word. It comes from a miracle he does, or it comes from something he allows you to walk through that it enables your faith to grow. I love the prayer in the scriptures, the man who said, I believe, help me with my unbelief. What a great prayer. So your faith acts like a shield. That's a powerful piece of the weapon. Remember I said last week, I don't think that we're supposed to pray the armor of God every day. I think that they are available to us every moment to just grab a hold of and use. And so I pray that you'll grab a hold of faith this week as the enemy comes and you stand on that high ground with Jesus and you stand against those temptations. And like I said, if you fall, he picks you up, he loves you, but then I think he says, come on, let's walk. Let's get some victory. Let's stand. Next one is the helmet of salvation. Everybody say helmet of salvation. So Satan is constantly attacking our salvation, trying to get us to believe that God isn't there, that this is all fairy tale, Jesus never existed, God can't be trusted, or that we've done something to make God not be able to save us or want to save us anymore. And I don't think it's a mistake that Paul puts this as a helmet because it's in our mind that these lies come, right? It's in our mind that these doubts come and these fears come. I'm not wanted. I'm not loved. God's not there. He's not trustworthy. This pain and suffering I'm going through is evidence that he's forsaken me. Like all those lies hit us here. And so Paul says, put on that helmet of salvation. When I think about a helmet, I think about, again, you know, soldiers. And last night, I was just happened to be scrolling through some stuff on Instagram just for kicks. And, and uh, all of a sudden, something pretty crazy came up. This helmet came up on the screen, and this guy was talking about this helmet, and it wasn't like I was looking for it. It was, uh, I mean, the, the thing before it was probably like a dog diving into a pool or something, and then this came up, you know, and, and so this is a World War II helmet, and this guy's talking about how this person who was a paratrooper wore this helmet, and do you see that huge dent? Yeah, it got shot. That's from a bullet. You see how important it is that we wear our helmet. That we wrap salvation around our minds, so to speak. That we wrap that truth of who we are because of Jesus and who Jesus is. That we remind ourselves that this is real. That Jesus is a historical person who came and he died and he gave his life. And and the first century was transformed. And all the people that said that Jesus died and rose from the dead like his closest followers who were eyewitnesses, they either killed them for saying it or tortured them for saying it. So if their plan was to like make a bunch of money and get all this power, it really backfired because they're all dead or they all died horrifying deaths or were put in prison. And so these guys were telling the truth. They had seen a risen Savior. And we've got to keep reminding ourselves. We've got to be in community with people who remind us, oh no, you're saved, you're loved, you're wanted. Jesus can be trusted. He's real. This isn't a fairy tale. We have to wrap that salvation 
around our minds. Sam Storm says this, there's nothing Satan can do to alter or undermine the fact that we are saved. And then he quotes Romans 8. He says, not angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But listen to this. He says, but what he can do is erode our assurance and confidence that we are saved. Our salvation, our standing with God does not fluctuate. Are you hearing this today? Some of you are here today just because of this line. Your standing with God does not fluctuate or diminish with our success or failure in spiritual battles. But Satan is determined to convince us that it does. And so we keep going, I know the truth. The Greek word that Paul uses here for this helmet literally means the protection of soul, which consists in the hope of salvation. God wants you to be so convinced you're really his, even on your worst day, even when you think about your worst day. That moment you look back and you say, man, if I was a Christian and I, this had been real in my life, this is where I would have stood. This is where I would have been on that hill with Jesus and I would have stood on the high ground, but I fell. Just know you're still loved, you're still wanted, and Jesus is still your Savior. Are you struggling with your salvation? Put on the helmet of salvation. Remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of this historical figure that's come to rescue you and me and give his life that we would know him and have a relationship with him. The last piece we're going to look at today is the sword of the spirit. Everybody say sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I think often, I mean, I grew up a Christian kid, as I said, so I, you know, in Sunday school or chapel at school, and I remember, you know, the, the preacher of the day would pick up his Bible and say, this is your sword, you know, and hold your sword up, you know, and we'd hold our Bibles up and and I think we have our Bible apps on our phone now. It's like, okay, I got my sword with me, you know. And, and so what does this mean, though? Like, what does it mean? What is Paul saying here? Well, to get this right and to really use this weapon effectively, it's not just about keeping a Bible in your glove box in your car or having an app on your phone. Listen, it's not even about reading it. It's not even just about knowing it. It goes a step further than that. The Greek word Paul uses here is rhema. Everybody say rhema. And this is what it means. That which is said, a word, a saying, an expression. So what Paul is saying here is that if you want to use the sword of the spirit, which by the way is the offensive weapon in all this, everything else has been defensive. Here's your offensive weapon. Remember in Brian's picture, we were swinging that little thing, us little army soldiers up there, right? And he's saying here, if you want to use the sword of the spirit, you've got to speak the word of God. Don't just read it. Reading it's great. It nourishes your soul. Don't just know it. That's great. Meditating on the scriptures is really important. But speaking it is where the power is in the battle. We all know how powerful spoken words are. Some of us positively have been incredibly influenced by spoken words. Somebody encouraged us. Somebody believed in us. A coach, a parent, a boss. Somebody spoke life to us. Some of us have had the opposite happen. Somebody spoke death to us, negativity to us, and that crushed us. So we know how powerful spoken words are. Anybody here ever had their mouth washed out with soap? Just raise your hand real quick. It is astonishing. Uh, both services now, a lot of us have had our mouths washed out with soap. All the kids in the room are like, call CPS. What is happening right now? But man, my grandma, it was my grandma. I would say something I shouldn't say. All right, Doug, let's go to the bathroom. She'd take out the Irish Spring, and I was chewing on some Irish Spring, man. You know, we have some deer in our neighborhood, and they love to eat our plants, and I was reading that if you put Irish Spring around some of the plants, it'll, 
uh, repel the deer. And I'm thinking, man, like, so good for pushing a 300-pound buck away or your 43-pound little grandson in the bathroom shove it in his mouth, right? Like, what a wonderful contraption we have here. But I got in trouble because words are powerful, and we know this in life. Some of us, are, our whole course of our lives have been defined by words positively or negatively spoken over us or to us. So we know the words are powerful, and we know that the word of God is powerful, so why wouldn't we think that speaking the word of God is really powerful? What did Jesus do when he was tempted? He spoke the word of God, right? He didn't, I mean, he was the word of God, right? I mean, there's a whole, like, theological thing. Literally, no one has the word of God, right? He could have he just laughed in Satan's face. He could have just snapped his fingers over. But he was giving us an example, I think showing us what to do, showing us the pattern. When you are tempted, and he did it three times over and over and over again until it says Satan left him and come back for an opportune time. He knew he wasn't going to get anywhere. He knew the truth was going to shut him down. If Jesus was going to the truth, Satan wasn't going to get anywhere, right? And I think that's what happens in our lives. When we speak out the word of God, Satan goes, "Uh uh-oh, he knows the truth. I can't get him. Right? When someone tries to you know, fool you or prank you or like, you know, come at you, if you know the truth, if you see it coming... And you walk the other way, oh, well, I guess we're taking the prank down. Have you seen these husbands and wives, by the way, on social media who do this to each other? Have you seen these? They're actually really funny. But these husbands and wives, like, dropping balloons and exploding things on each other and all this stuff. And it's kind of like, eventually, like, can you just stop falling for the same scheme? You're definitely staging this because you just posted one yesterday and you got hit with a balloon then too, right? But once in a while, they'll post something where the husband walks in and he, he knows it's there and he just takes a step like this, right? Because the truth changed everything. And when we speak the word of God out, Satan's got to change his strategy because he knows he's not going to get anywhere. And so we have to speak God's word out. And so you're in the middle of the conflict with Satan and you're feeling so tempted. And let's, let's, let's remind ourselves, yes, the visual is helpful, right, to, to think about the battle. But Satan doesn't come looking like what we saw on the screen, right? He whispers. He he gives opportunities. He almost sometimes sets things up to such a degree that it's ridiculous that we could fall over this scheme that he has. And when he does, we got to speak the word of God. That's why we got to know the word of God, right? We got to get some verses in our heart. And so I've been candid with you guys since I came out of the hospital. There's been a multi-year struggle with anxiety, uh, especially early in the morning. Uh, Probably some of the physical stuff I went through and some of the emotional stuff that we all went through in the last few years. And so in the morning, man, I've got to be speaking out Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That took about 12 seconds, right? That's just in me, you know? Take a little further in Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Remember years ago, I think Pastor Ravone used this illustration many years ago. He talked about how there was that commercial online uh, you know, or on TV probably like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago for iPhones. You remember that commercial? The tagline was, there's an app for that. There's an app for that. Like if you need this, you need directions, you need a restaurant recommendation, you need to buy concert tickets or sports tickets, there's an app for that. And I remember him saying, there's a verse for that. Like no matter what your struggle is, no matter what temptation comes at you, there's a verse for that. And you can Google verse about fear, verse about anger, verse about unforgiveness, verse about anxiety. And you can then grab a hold of that thing and get it in your heart and and speak that thing out. Rhema, spoken word of God. That's when we're using the sword of the Spirit. 
One thought that I thought was really cool as I was doing some studying on this passage. Uh, I, I just think this is so neat. I didn't learn this in VBS. I didn't learn this in nursery. That, that's why it's so cool to keep going deeper into the Word of God because you learn new things. But think about this. I think often we think of, I've got the Word of God. It's, I have the sword of the Spirit. But look at this. What a cool way to think about it. Harry Ironside says this. Do not make a mistake here. The sword of the Spirit is not the Bible. This Bible is not the sword of the Spirit. It is the armory. There are thousands of swords in here, and every one of them is powerful and two-edged. Isn't that awesome? You don't just have a sword. You have thousands of swords. Every verse, every phrase can be used as a sword against your opponent, the enemy. Are you seeing that God has given us the armor that we need to stand? I think the specifics of the armor are important. I think using the armor the right way are important, but I really think the big takeaway is that we can stand. Yes, we'll fall. Jesus loves us. He lifts us up, but he says, now stand. I told you last week that the word stand is used all throughout this passage over and over and over again. He says, stand, stand. And when you've already done everything you can stand, let's stand. He's really trying to tell us something here. We're imperfect, but he wants us to stand. And we should learn more and more how to stand and grow and be able to overcome the struggles and, and the temptations and the things that have been taking us out for such a long time and see some victory in our lives. He's given us all kinds of things. He's given us the truth. And now the truth holds everything together like a belt. He's, he's made us right with God. And so we can remind ourselves of that rightness when we feel condemned. He's given us what we need to be ready so that when we feel exhausted, I just don't have the strength for another battle, we can stand our ground, be protected, and have traction. He's given us the shield of faith to put out those arrows that come flying in to take us out several different ways. We can put on that helmet of salvation when we're doubting that he's there or that he wants us. And we can go ahead and take that, the swords of the spirit out. And we can wave those things around as we speak God's word out. And you know, the porn doesn't own you. The gossip doesn't own you. The anger doesn't own you. The anxiety doesn't own you. God's presence is in, in your life. It's him. It's he who owns you and me. And I'm so happy to be his. I'm so grateful that I'm not on my own, that I'm not trying to fight my way up the hill from the, from the low ground to the high ground. I'm so thankful that in Jesus, I'm on the high ground. Brian, can you put your picture back up there on the screens for us? I just want you to remember what God's done. I want you to remember where you and I stand. I love those, those pictures of, uh, I don't know if you can see it, you'll see it later online, but, but off to the sides, you know, it's demons just being tossed off that cliff, man, and, and things trying to fly up at our Savior. And, and there's a few different renditions of what Brian drew, and there's, there's one where there's like, just like, in the shape of like a cross, almost just like if you could imagine, like just, just this power emanating forward. Just incredible what God's done to give us the ability to stand. We will fall, we'll be imperfect, we're loved through it, we're picked back up, and we're taught to stand. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to pray about standing. I want you to pray about some of the things that maybe stood out to you today as we looked at these verses. Is there something that you need help with? Is there something like, maybe you're like, oh man, my thing is truth. I'm really struggling with truth. Or I'm just not ready. Or my faith is so small. God, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. But God, help me rely on you. you it's the reliability of the one trusted. God, help me to know the word of God and love the word of God. Maybe you hate to read the Bible. Maybe you're like, Doug, I'm so glad you come and preach because, man, I don't want to open my Bible. 
Like, ask God to change that. Can I tell you that there was a time in my life I didn't like to read the Bible? That's a problem for a pastor. As I was younger, I, I could pray all day. Well, not pray all day, but I, but I really enjoyed prayer. I Not so much the reading. And now, like, a lot of my week is spent in the Word of God, trying to understand it and try to help you understand it. God changed that in me. He can change that in you. And so God's given us the armor we need to stand. I pray this has encouraged you, but I pray that you will take that stand. And when you fall, you'll get back up and keep standing. You're so loved. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have access to all this. If you're not, you can have access to all this because you can have a relationship with Jesus as you leave this place today. I encourage you to pray with me in just a minute as we close out. And ask God to be your Savior. Ask Jesus to rescue you. You heard today me talk about him giving his life for you so that you can be forgiven and know him. Let's stand, church. Let's see victory. Let's be different in a year, five years, ten years than we are today as we grow in this relationship with God. He has given us the armor we need to stand. Let's pray. So God, thank you so much for just the million ways that you're so good to us. But thank you specifically today that we get to stand with you. And we stand with you on the high ground because of you only. We get to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We get to find our strength in you. So God, we ask you for help. If you're a follower of Jesus, just pray. Pray about what stood out to you today. Something that maybe you're thankful for, thank God for. Something that maybe you know you need to grow and ask him for help. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me now. You could just say something like this. Just quietly, Jesus, thank you so much that you want a relationship with me, that you gave your life for me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I'm loved, that I'm wanted. I thank you that you want me to know you and to see you for who you are. So Jesus, just open my eyes more and more to who you are and to what you've done for me. And there's one last prayer I want to pray today. Maybe it's the person in the room or watching online that's like, I wish I could pray that prayer, but I'm not ready to pray that prayer. I'm still doubting. I'm still struggling. I I don't know if this is all real. Then I would love for you, I know this is weird because I'm asking you to pray to a God you are not convinced exists, but this is a step. And the prayer is very simple. I'd love for you to think about praying right now. Oh God, if you're real, would you show me? 